Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Everyone, happy Sunday, and welcome to the latest edition of Cinnamon Noir. This is Kimberly Renee, and I'm joined by my co-host Candace Frederick. Happy Sunday, Candace. Happy Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully, Rebecca will be joining us soon. Um, so today we have a lot to talk about. In addition to our film and casting news, we are going to be talking about cinematic portrayals of illness and grief. Um, as most of you know, May is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so we're just going to, um, you know, explore that topic and how it's been reflected in film. And we're also going to be talking about Lemonade, which is Beyonce's latest, uh, I guess we're going to call it a visual album that was released last weekend on HBO and has had the internet abuzz for the past seven days straight. Every day something new about Lemonade and Beyonce and who, what, when, where, how. So we're going to talk about that as well. <laughs> but to get us started with our news, um, Jennifer Hudson is going to star in the NBC live adaptation of Hairspray. And I know this is the thing that NBC has been doing, um, I guess, for the past couple of years. This year they did The Wiz, and I think before that they've done Peter Pan and The Sound of Music, which people kind of hated. So I think The Wiz was their first. <laughs> I mean, I think they've all been successful rating-wise, but as far as people actually enjoying what they saw, <laughs> I feel like The Wiz was their <laughs> first like hit because people totally bash the other two. But anyway, so now they're doing Hairspray this year, and um, Jennifer Hudson is going to star as well as Harvey Feinstein, Firestein. So what do you think about this? Did you watch, Have you watched the other ones, Candace? And do you love them, Hayden? You know, you know, I'm a huge musical theater fan, um, and I love live musical theater, like on the stage when it's not on TV. Um, so I'm kind of a purist in that sense where I just devote all my, my, my fascination toward the actual live stage productions. Uh, so I have not seen any of the TV live, um, things. I call them things, whatever they are, because, <laughs> you know, yeah, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a purist and I, you know, I know that they're extremely, um, popular, Although from my timeline, it seems like it's most popular as far as hate watching, and I just don't have time for hate watching, but lots of people do. And so they, you know, watch things just to bash it 
And I'm just like, there's just no point. And, and I also, you know, I'm very big on people who know how to sing and act. Um, and if you can't, then you shouldn't be. <laughs> like, you, you shouldn't be doing these musicals if you're, if you can't, if you're not equipped with knowing, with, with the capability to do both. And so right. that means Carrie Underwood, God bless you. I love your voice, but you're not an actress. Um, same goes for Old Girl from Peter Pan. Um, you are kind of sort of an actress, definitely not a singer. <laughs> um, Jennifer Hudson, you guys know how I feel about her. I love, 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 love me some Jennifer Hudson, but she's not an actress, even though she is on Broadway right now. Um, <laughs> and an Oscar winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and there's that. But, um, so that's, that's kind of how I feel about that. But um, I know... I have never finished watching Hairspray because every time I try to watch it, I'm like, eh, what else is on? That hasn't really been one of my favorite musicals, but um, I'm sure it will do very well. Oh, and the last one I think was Grease, right? Well, Grease was on Fox, um, but uh, yes, it was oh, a okay. live theater type deal. So apparently this is all the rage where every network is getting in on it. Who <laughs> wants Grease to do was, it, yeah. <laughs> Grease was on Fox, but yes, that was the last one, I think. Yeah, um, and I love Grease, man. I love, love, love. It's one of my favorite musicals ever. But um, I, again, I, and I li- and I like the idea of Kiki Palmer as Rizzo. Um, I like how she's taking her career. Um, how she's to me, she was always like this good girl, quiet, and now she seems to be not that. And, you know, Rizzo, I think, was like her coming out for that because Rizzo, as we all know, well, as I know, and many people who watch and love Grease know that Rizzo was not the squeaky clean girl. Um, and I can get into all kinds of my think pieces about um, the comparisons between um, Dirty Dancing and Grease, but I'm not going to bore you with that um, <laughs> and on the subject of abortion. But anyway, um, before I go down that tangent, all that to say um, – <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm sure the next thing will be cats or something, or the Lion King. God bless them if they ever choose to do the Lion King. But, but I'm just not. I'm not. This doesn't excite me. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I didn't watch the first two because I'm like you, like hate watching. I mean, if you start watching, if you, have, if you have genuine high hopes for something and it turns out bad, that's one thing. But, like, sitting down mm-hmm. to watch it for the specific <laughs> idea of mm-hmm. hate tweeting, you know, I got other – my DVR <laughs> is full. There are other things I can be watching. So true. So I didn't even watch the first two, but I was very excited about The Wiz. At first, I was a little apprehensive mm-hmm. because of the first two, and I was like, eh, I don't know. But then I saw the mm-hmm. cast and, you know, some little videos they posted online, so I was excited. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I think Shanice Williams was excellent. The whole thing was really done well. Um, mm-hmm. I personally was hoping that they would do Dream Girls because I think it's perfect. Oh. And I'm obsessed with Dream Girls. But yeah. they decided to go with Hairspray, so whatever. <clears throat> um, Have you seen the yeah. original Hairspray? I haven't. Or any of the versions? I did see the one with, um, what's the girl, Nikki Blonsky and John Travolta and Queen Latifah. I saw that one in the okay. movie theater. theater. How was that? Because um, it looked kind of like a train wreck. Um, a small train wreck, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> horrible. There were some bright moments. Like, I love Queen Latifah. She was really good in it. 
Um, John Travolta, I just wasn't buying it at all. Like, no, <laughs> not, I'm not feeling him at all. Um, mm. So, yeah, it wasn't like a major train wreck, but it was a small train wreck. It was a bit, it had some dicey moments there. Um, as far as Jennifer Hudson, me and Jennifer, I love Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> like, let's put that out there. I do love her. And I feel like yeah, her best work, like, she won an Oscar for singing in Dreamgirls. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> clearly that Oscar was for her ability to interpret, and I am telling you. So <laughs> that being said, yeah. you know, she might mm-hmm. be okay in this because it's singing and she's doing all that. So it might not be the worst thing for her career-wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so. mean, she is still <laughs> playing a character. She's not Jennifer Hudson singing a song, right? Right. True, true, true. Yep. That is true. <laughs> that that that's where my that's where my concern begins and ends. Yeah. I um I do appreciate them kind of doing these um like live television events because you know, a lot of people don't have access to the theater and you kinda get that feel even though it is different because it is for television. So I kinda appreciate mm-hmm. it in that sense. And when it's done well, like with the Wiz, it's it's good. But when it's bad, it's bad. So I think casting has a lot to do with this. So I guess it depends on who they cast in the lead role as well, and the rest of the cast oh, that's have to true. together. It's just to tell how oh, it plays out. It's Harvey uh, Harvey Feinstein. Yeah, but, yeah, he's playing Edna, and then they. I don't know okay, if they right. announce who's playing. I can't even think of the girl's name. The do- her daughter's name. The person oh, who plays mm-hmm, daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever mm-hmm. that ends up being, I think that'll be Tracy. Yeah, that'll end up, you know, determining, I guess, how good or bad this is. So mm-hmm. we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> like I said, right now, Jennifer Hudson, she's on Broadway, Color Purple. Yeah. And the Tony Awards nominations are going to be announced. Let me just look this up quickly. I think it's Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, Tuesday. Third. Tuesday, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure Hamilton's going to be, it's going to be everywhere, but just FYI, um, I'm sure Color Purple, I'm, I'm, I've actually seen a little clip of Cynthia Erivo, um performing from Color Purple, and I'm just like, long live Cynthia Erivo. She's like my main reason for wanting to see this adaptation of Color Purple. I saw it the last time Color Purple was, um, when Oprah was behind it. Um, and that was so, so good. And, um, so I'm, I'm assuming their people from that are going to be nominated. And I saw, and I think I talked about this during one of our last, um, one of our more recent live tweets, um, Eclipse is amazing. So expect to see a ton of, um, oh, I would imagine a ton of recognition for that play. Um, I hope, um, so I would. So all I have to say, you know, once again, Broadway is doing the absolute most when it comes to diversity and representation. Yes, exactly. Um, I was looking mm-hmm. at something today, and they were talking about Shuffle Along, <clears throat> excuse me, which was, I think it yeah. just open, and how it mm-hmm. might come in and kind of steal some of the shine away from Hamilton because it's supposedly that good. So I'm excited. I'm trying to, I'm really desperate to see that just because I've never seen Audra McDonald um, perform Actually, wait a minute. I saw her in Porgy and Beth, but 
you, you just can't get enough of Audra McDonald. Um, right. So I'm here for her always. Always. So hopefully, yeah. I just want to see her again. Our next live uh, podcast will be on Tony Sunday, the 12th of June. So we can talk about all the yeah. comedy stuff. So, so that's awesome. Yay. Exciting. Um, let's see. Up next, the trailer for the film Southside with You, which is um, <clears throat> about Michelle and Barack Obama's first date, was released online this week. Um, the film stars Tika Sumter is Michelle, who I love, love her to death, and mm-hmm. oh gosh, the actor playing Barack. His name is oh, Parker think, Sawyer. Uh, Parker Sawyer's, yes. Um, did you get a chance mm-hmm. to see the trailer, and what did you think about it? I did. I thought it was really charming. I thought it was super, super charming. Um, I am more interested than I thought I was going to be, maybe because of the presentation and the trailer was cut very well. Um, and I, I'm glad that we're all kind of talking or beginning to talk about Tika Sumter. I am less familiar with Parker Sawyer's um, filmography, but um, I'm excited to see just a new face. I'm glad that they didn't they didn't just do the okie doke, just any any black man who's popular <laughs> in the right. role. I'm glad that they actually went outside the box and and found somebody who really has donned his affectations and just his mannerisms and the way he talks. Um, I thought that was really impressive just from the trailer alone. Um, another thing, and you know I'm always on this kick, but another thing that I found. Um, that's really great about it is that it seems like a blurred story, or maybe I'm I'm, I'm I, maybe I'm stressing, but I really think it's a blurred blurred romance because one, it's kind of outside of the box of just like I I know we see a lot of romance where it's just like either athlete or a singer or between an athlete and a singer or some kind of celebrity driven romance, and we've seen that a lot, and not just in um, black romance films, but in non black romance films as well, but I'm glad that these are just like two nerds, essentially, right. who fall for each other. And I find that really cool. Um, and I'm hoping that this ushers in a new wave of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I saw that with, you posted on your website about the, the blur romance, and I was like, exactly, they're just like two normal, I mean, like he's like a community organizer, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, she's like his mentor at work, like that's just just so normal and they go to this uh community meeting like that is not fancy that is not cool i'm not even sure that's real first date material but that's the charm (laughs) you know know, like if we didn't know where he ends up would we be like seriously dude like this is what you got to do but it's really cool because um like you said they're just normal people doing normal things and um Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not really familiar with him either but i have been down with tika summer I'm Sumter for like 10 years. She was on One Life to Live, which was one of my soap operas. Yeah. R.I.P. One Life to Live. So I (laughs) have been obsessed with her. She actually played um, a character, Layla Williams, and her sister was played by Renee Goldsberry, who's in Hamilton. So like in my mind, they're sisters Uh in real life. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm like obsessed with them both. (laughs) So Uh I am so happy that they cast her as Michelle and I agree, because when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool, but the casting is going to be weird if they try to put, like, Will Smith <laughs> as Barack Obama. Yeah. Like, I, just, I just felt like so that's the way it was going to go. So when they picked someone exactly. they didn't know, so 
so that he could really kind of own the character. We're not thinking about Independence Day in the back of our minds when we're seeing this going on. I, I really appreciate that. So yeah. I'm excited too. I, I love it. Yeah, and I'm always advocating just for new faces and just for people like going out on actual auditions. I feel like there's so much great untapped talent that don't even get called to auditions because people just don't audition anymore. They're just like, oh, which which five black actors can we call in for this? So. Um, even though I hated race, that movie, I'm glad that they went with an unknown or a relative unknown to play Jesse Owens. And I'm glad that they're going with um, a less familiar face to play Barack Obama, who is arguably one of the most popular people in the entire world. And so, it's, you know, definitely people are going to have a lot of opinions on Parker Soria's performance because we have kind of um, – believe that we know so much about Barack. Like, we're all experts on Barack and how he talks and how his mannerisms are and everything. So his his, his performance is probably going to be extremely scrutinized, but I'm I'm really impressed by what the trailer showed us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool we kind of get to see, like, a little bit of her family life and her getting ready for this date and, you know, like – if your daughter told you she was dating mm-hmm. someone named Barack Obama, like, what? What is that? Who is that? But it's, really, it's really cool. I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Do we know when it opens? Is there a date yet? Um, yeah. Hold on. Let me look at it. Um, I'm just so glad that this actually was picked up because I remember this being at Sundance, and I was like, oh, well, what about this? Because I know everybody was talking about um, everybody was talking about Nate Parker's film. I was like, what about the other films that came out? Um, so this comes out the 26th of August. Okay, so we don't have so long to wait. We have, we have a while <laughs> um, yeah, towards not, the end of the summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and John Legend, he produced this, so he's like trying yeah. to like be a legit producer. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, <guess>. it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because um, when I heard that he was he was co- or producing it, I was just like, oh wow, this, that means it's going to be a really sweet, lovely soundtrack to accompany that <laughs> because he's like the king of romance right now, right? Um, and he has like these huge ballads that are all about like loving people, loving yourself. So I, I that's my next question is like, what does the soundtrack sound like? And, you know, the fact that I remember we talked about a long time ago, we talked about kind of just the the evolution of soundtracks and how everything's gone like with like there's a most films today are more about musical scores and instrumentals rather than actual lyrics. Um, and so I wonder if this will help usher in the return of the lyrical soundtrack of movies, particularly when you think about movies that happened in the 90s, which this gave me a real 90s feel, partly because of just the the look of it. Um, But also I was just thinking, oh, this would look really good against like a 90s, I don't know, uh, or 90s sounding like soundtrack or something like that, because a lot of films in the 90s had great soundtracks. That's what I miss about them. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. so true. Like I'm trying to think of the last film that had like a really great soundtrack and I just can't think of anything <laughs> like nothing immediately Me comes either. to mind something that Me wasn't there yeah it's just i mean i'm sure 
I know a lot of people loved the Great Gatsby soundtrack because it was Daisy and Beyonce, mostly Beyonce. <laughs> Remember that? That it was like a oh, really yeah. weird. Yeah, it was that, weird because yeah. it was Great Gatsby. Yeah. yeah. I, I think know. I got to block that out. <laughs> yeah, I kind of blocked that out, too, because it was just a strange marriage of pop culture, and I, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. But to answer your question, I don't know either. I don't yeah. know when was the last time. You know, he also, um, John Legend, he executive produces the show Underground. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I know you have. Have we talked yes. about that on the show or on the live tweet yet? We talked about it briefly, I think. I think Rebecca's here. Hold on one second. Hello? Hi. Hey, guys. Hi. We were um, just talking about John Legend executive producing the um, film Southside with You and how he's also the executive producer on Underground, which I, I'm a couple of episodes behind, so I'm not completely caught up, but that show is really really good like I was kind of on the fence about it at first but just because you know mm-hmm. not everything but underground is like one of my favorite shows um, isn't it it's yeah. really good it so, is and I, I know you know we've had the discussion there's been the discussion online um you know when the the promotions came out people were like oh no another slave movie oh no another slave show and it's so not that like I mean, in the first place, we've never had a TV series that's ever focused on the Underground Railroad specifically. Um, But what I love about it is that it just, like, you get to see the daily lives of how they lived. And I feel like using the word slave is reductive. I I don't know. Like, I just feel like these are people who are in bondage. Like, that's how the show seems to me. Like, they're such complex characters they're not all good. <laughs> Some of them are a little sketchy, uh, like the Cato character. And, and I think what was brilliant about Underground is that it's presented as, like, um, it's this really, I call it Mission Impossible um, crossed with, like, 12 Years of Slave. Like, that's the best way that I can describe it. Like, it's, <laughs> it definitely has, like, the action elements. Like, every episode, like, your heart is just beating so fast. But... There's, like, a lot of humanity, and um, I won't spoil it to you, Kim, but episode eight, the episode they just aired, is was just so emotionally devastated to me. I was just like, I don't think I can see much more of this show. Um, but, they don't do, but they don't do it in a way that um, it's not uh, sensationalizing, right? You know, because a lot of, like, sometimes you see, like, the beatings and the stuff, like, they just really go overboard with it, you know what I mean? Um, but it's really just showing you, like, how it was, because they did a lot of research for that show. But I, I love it. And I'm so excited for Southside with you. I, I cannot wait for this movie to come out. Um, and, and I think a lot of people will be surprised that the writer and director of the movie is a white guy from Brooklyn. Mm. <laughs> he's mm, very nice. If, if, if anyone, yeah, he's on Twitter. His name is Richard Tan, um, R-I-C-H-A-R-D, and his last name is spelled T-A-N-N-E. Um, really cool cat. He's, um, if I remember correctly, um, he said he watched an interview with Michelle and Barack when they were talking about their date. Um, and then he just, you know, because I think he's like in a writing rut or something, and he was just like, huh, I wonder what would happen if I wrote about that. And then um, he brought the script to Tika Sumter, and Tika was just so 
you know, blown away by the script. She was like, you know, however I can help you um, bring it to life. And she wasn't even thinking about playing Michelle Obama. She was just like, I'm just, I would just be the producer. But Richard was so impressed with her. He was like, you know, I, I want you to play Michelle. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it got good reviews at at, um, at Sundance, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it did. A lot. Yeah. It looks so good. <laughs> it does look really good. Yeah. I'm excited for it. <clears throat> totally excited. All right. Well, moving to our first topic for the night, um, I mentioned before that May is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and so we were going to take some time just to you know, talk about grief and illness and how it's portrayed in film and some films that have kind of impacted us. So, um, Rebecca, do you want to start us off? Ooh, um, when I think about breast cancer, the one movie that comes to mind, um, was it Proof? I think that it was the movie that aired on, on HBO. I'm forgetting the mm-hmm. name of the actress. She's a, a British actress. Emma Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. That was a really good movie. I really liked it because you know, sometimes, the, again, I think kind of what I was saying about underground, like sometimes when you deal with, like, heavy emotional issues, they kind of hit you over the head with it. Um, but I love that she just kept her wit about her. You know, she was very sarcastic mm-hmm. and very, you know, like she was she was not an easy person to get along with, but I that movie just always comes to mind. I, I thought it was a really, it was a really good movie. Um, it, was, it was really good. Mm-hmm. I hear good things about that. I actually have not seen that one. Yeah, it, I think it was on HBO. I wonder if they have it on HBO. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember it was like <laughs> everybody was talking about it right around whenever that was. Maybe the nineties or mm-hmm. I don't remember when that was. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Any other movies coming to mind, or Candace? What about you? Anything? Um, a lot came to mind. It's funny because I think um, over the last two years or so, um, a lot of people were talking about the rebirth of the cancer movie, <laughs> um, particularly within the teenage circuit. Like I've been seeing a lot of cancer movies that kind of quote unquote cater to a younger market. Um, we saw it with Meet Her on the Dying Girl, The Fault in Our Stars, and that kind of became a thing. Um, I, I didn't see the fault in our stars. Um, I couldn't get through it. It was like, I think it was at a time when, well, one, I didn't find it. It was, I, I couldn't get into it cause I didn't find it very well presented. And two, I was also going through like dealing with somebody in my family who had cancer and I did not want to watch that at that moment. But then I tried to watch it again, like much later. And I was just like, this, this is actually not very good. <laughs> Um, but it's just, I think this has that glossy teenage style and I, and I just, it, I just didn't care for it. Same thing with me or on the dying girl, which I think is heavier, but still not. Yes. Yeah. I, I couldn't, um, relate to it. Um, mm-hmm. if that's a weird thing to say, but I, I just could, I wasn't drawn into it. I think that's more appropriate to say. Um, but I will say that there are definitely some films that that have moved me in terms of just cancer and just um, terminal illness portrayals. Like, and a lot of people don't talk about her very often, but Forrest Gump, which I actually love that movie, but um, particularly mm-hmm. I love Robin Wright's performance in it. And 
she, even though that she didn't have cancer, she actually had AIDS, but um, she, I, I just, I thought she, it was so incredibly understated and such a strong performance that, um, and I think she was, she might have been nominated for an Oscar, I can't remember now, but that was, that, that one really sticks out in my head. Of course, Terms of Endearment, um, Steel Magnolias, of course, and another movie that I think that, or another performance that I think that kind of gets lost in the conversation is Diane Keaton in The Family Stone. Oh, so, yes, like, that was on my oh, list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that movie. Me too. And it's such a weird movie because, one, I think mm-hmm. it's half comedy, half drama, and takes a very sharp turn into drama for the last, like, 45 minutes of it, which kind of mm-hmm. was confusing for me. I was just like, oh, is this now a drama? Um, like, everything <laughs> just turned very dramatic very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of one of the revelations during that latter half was the fact that Diane Keaton's character had cancer. Well, she revealed she had cancer. Um, she had it the whole time, obviously. But, um, yeah, I thought that was really a really touching performance of, of a woman who was really a strong-minded, strong-willed woman, um, really kind of almost hippie um, for the for the two, 2000 aughts. Um, another um, performance that comes to mind is Soul Food. Remember, I don't remember mm-hmm. what she passed away from, but I remember it being very significant mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> yes. I was just I like, had oh, diabetes. man, I was in... I know, I was really in my feelings. Yeah. Um, so that that's on my list. Um, of course dying young even though it's not the woman it's not Julia Roberts character who is dying, but I thought her portrayal of a person who was supporting someone who was dying was really, really, really good. And the performance that I don't think that she that she gets enough credit for. Um and most recently James White, Cynthia Nixon, the great Cynthia Nixon. She, it's a, James White is a very um, independent movie, but she, I think she was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award most recently, um, this mm-hmm. past season. She plays a woman who's, um, who has cancer and really, you know, going through it. Um, and her son plays the titular character. Um, and she, you know, Cynthia Nixon is just great in everything. And I, and I was really moved by it. And she was kind of one of those, characters who did not her character wasn't just the cancer person and I think a lot of these portrayals um that that's what that's what you remember them by just their illness and you don't remember them by their character you know what who they were outside of being a cancer patient or victim um and I thought that she was particularly the type of character that was not she kind of went against that type. Oh, I just remembered um, a, mo- a couple of movies. That I- well, these were TV movies. One was, um, this came out a couple of years ago. It was Lifetime, and it was called Five, and it was sort of like an anthology of, like, short- mm-hmm. like yes. connecting or short stories. And the one mm-hmm. that, that stuck out to me was the one with Rosario Dawson. Um, she was, like, mm-hmm. this, this career woman who finds out she has breast cancer, and then she has to tell her mom and her sister and I love that they cast Jennifer Lewis and Tracy Ellis Ross. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Lewis mm-hmm. played her mom. She was awesome. And then Tracy Ellis Ross played her sister. And it was it was so good. Mm-hmm. I, out of all the stories, I don't know why that one resonated with me the most. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, you, we watched this show. Um, 
Parenthood when Christina um, All right. Lieberman, yeah. Oh my gosh, that was just a yeah. roller coaster of emotions. I was oh like gosh, looking online. Always. I was like, is she is she renewing her contract? Is she with me? <laughs> <laughs> because they, yeah, I really didn't yeah. know where they were gonna go with that storyline. Mm-hmm. But I think she mm-hmm. did a fantastic job. She didn't win any for that, right? She should have. No. She was nominated, mm-hmm. but she didn't win. Oh. Yeah. Really yeah. good actor. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, Parenthood, that makes me cry. I miss it, Man, I know. Every episode. <laughs> that was like, one of those shows. Like, maybe one day I'll get through an episode without blubbering, <laughs> but no, not going to happen. And even in the final episode, I was just like, <sighs> yeah, it was just too much, too much. <laughs> um, let's see, what did I have on my I had the Family Stone on my list as well. Um, I love that movie, mm-hmm. but like you said, it kind of mm-hmm. shifts dramatically. And you're like, oh, wait, whoa, what's going on here? It's so serious. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I saw Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl and The Fault in Our Stars. And mm-hmm. like you, I was just like, eh, maybe I'm just, yeah. you know, I don't know, too cynical, too what, too old to, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like to be mm-hmm. watching it. And going it. To, I aged out of it. But it made me remember <laughs> A Walk to Remember with uh, Mandy Moore, which isn't mm. a perfect film, but, you know, I kind of felt it. I was in my field. It came out, like, in the early 2000s where she yeah, uh, was, like, movie. this high school student and, you know, she has cancer and all that. So I feel mm-hmm. like that movie did it a lot better than these mm-hmm. new uh films or whatever. Um, My mom loves a, a Walk to Remember. She talks about that all the time. She's like, I'm, walk, I'm watching a Walk to Remember for the first, for the fortieth time. I'm watching that. I'm like, all right, be blessed. It's like you know you're being emotionally manipulated, but you just go for it anyway. <laughs> like you just follow along with it. You go for it. It's all good. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I recently saw a film with Cameron. Uh, no, no, no. With Drew Barrymore and Tony Collette. And, of course, I cannot think of the name oh, of it right man. now. Miss um, You Already. Yes, Miss You Already. Oh. And in that film, uh, Toni Collette's character kind of fi- finds out she finds out that she has cancer. Um, and just her emotional roller coaster and how she kind of just goes off the rails completely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when in these films, the people who get cancer, they're just kind of not really – you just don't get that much from them. And they're kind of seen this kind of mm-hmm. perfect, sick character she is not the perfect mm-hmm. sick character. She's like kind of a horrible person. <laughs> I mean, her actions are just That's like, uh, but you you wonder like, well, how would you really act if you found out that you don't have that much time to live? You're just gonna mm-hmm. kind of go buck wild, and she kind of goes wild. So it was interesting mm-hmm. that aspect of it. Um, again, not a perfect film, but it was it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then one that I love that kind of deals with, you know, the aftermath of losing someone and the grief and how you get through that process, um, I Will Follow, Ava DuVernay's first film. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. the film. Her aunt dies of cancer, and it's just her kind of, like, packing up the house and trying to, you know, move to her next step and just all her interactions with all these people and, you know, how that affects her. And the family relationship is one that really is kind of like, you know, because when people die, it kind of brings out either the best in other people or the absolute worst and Mm -hmm. family tensions that were, you know, there before are amplified times a thousand and it makes for really great Mm -hmm. drama and film, but you know, some of that kind of happens in real life. So I think that's a good example as well of just, um, you know, a film that deals with the kind of aftermath of that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I know one, 
Yeah, that's one of my favorites, one of my favorites. Someone who does illness in film all wrong, and I just felt the need to say this. <laughs> Tyler Perry, we laugh about oh, it. Because, like You'll be watching one of his movies, <laughs> and someone will cough, and you're going to be like, in two scenes, that person's going to have Tyler Perry movie cancer, and in two scenes, that person <laughs> is dead of Tyler Perry movie cancer. It's just like, it's like mm-hmm. if you hear someone cough in a Tyler Perry film, they're going to die. Just know it. Two scenes later, they're dead. And it's like, it's always not that black and white. Like, you can kind of ease into it, brother, you know. And then in the film, Temptation, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler alert. You know, in the end, the character is revealed that she has HIV, AIDS. And then you find out that this completely other actress who looks nothing like the actress who's like telling this story and that it's her. So it's like, so HIV made her age 2000 years, gained 40 pounds. And really, it is the most hilarious thing to watch because you're just like, like it's horrible. It's like horrible, but you have to laugh. Like you literally have to laugh because you're like, so journey Smollett played this character, the whole movie. And we're supposed to believe that's her too. Like, <laughs> like five years yeah. later, we're not talking about thirty years. Like five years, this is what HIV did to this woman. Okay, I, yeah. I, I call I call his stuff discount storytelling. <laughs> and that like, I don't know how else exactly to describe it. What it is like, honestly, when we saw that, me and my friend, I looked at her, and she looked at me, and we just busted out laughing because that's the only reaction that you can have to it. It's horrible. Yeah. So. He's one. I mean, I know we talked about. I'm sorry. I mean, I know we talked about that we had reviewed that movie a couple years ago, and I still hate it, because I feel like him casting an older actress, that was just his way, like, I don't know how Tyler Perry feels, but it it felt like that was his way of trying to shame the character. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you adulterous harlot, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to age 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Because... In that last scene, you're like, so Brandy looks the same. Lance Gross has, like, a patch of flour in his hair to show that he's gone gray. But this is a completely different woman. Like, her molecular structure has changed as a result of this. Like, I just, I couldn't. I can't deal. It's too much. He is absolutely the worst when it comes to that. So, yeah. But it's crazy. That's that's so him. (laughs) He doesn't disappoint. He does not. He does not. But I think that was his greatest <laughs> movie <laughs> flop ever. Because I was just like, eh, yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Was there, was there anything else that I had on my list? You know, I think after Tyler Perry, you just kind of take it off. I think Five, what you mentioned, <laughs> Rebecca, is really, really good, too. I love that. I have to see that. Because, Rebecca, you keep mentioning that movie, and I have not seen it yet. Which, oh, Five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be. I know that Lifetime, they usually have, like, the crazy catalog of movies that they've had. Like, you can find, like, Nancy McKeon movies from, like, 20 years Yes, love me some Nancy McKeon Lifetime movies. They they need to bring that back. I haven't seen a Nancy McKeon movie in a decade. I love that. Women in Peril movies. That that was, it was trophy as hell, but I didn't care. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that and Valerie it? Bertinelli. Yeah, Valerie Bertinelli had some great yeah, okay, lifetime so movies. Okay, so it was Nancy McKeon, Valerie Bertinelli, and I feel like there's another actress who was blonde. Meredith Baxter Bernie. Meredith Baxter Bernie. Family ties. 
Yes. Family ties. Shout out. I remember that bulimia movie she did. Oh my god. Cause, and mm. it, but it was actually educational because I knew nothing about bulimia. I knew about anorexia, but to watch that movie, I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh wow. That was crazy. Yeah. Those are good ones. Um, I was trying to think. There is another one. It doesn't deal with cancer, but um, with Jaimon Hansu. I think he has uh, HIV or AIDS. Oh, in America. Uh, in America, yes. Yeah. That's a good yes. one. Another good one that deals with illness. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on to our next topic. Last Saturday, 9 p.m., HBO, free for everyone. <laughs> Queen B, Beyonce released her visual album, Lemonade, and the Twitter streets were all a buzzing. Um, so basically, <laughs> it's this hour long, it's like a compilation of all of her music videos from this latest album, kind of woven mm-hmm. together with some poetry from Watchon Shire. She had some great cameos. We got to see. Serena Williams, give us a little twerking action going on. Uh, Kobani <laughs> Wallace is in it. Uh, Mamsla Sandberg, uh, Chloe and Haley. It's just a just a magical <laughs> piece of work of everything mm-hmm. Beyonce. Um, so, of course, as with anything that Beyonce does, <laughs> once it's out there, people start tweeting and uh, tumbling and Facebooking and writing think pieces and uh, <laughs> everything in between. So um, a lot of people, I think the reaction overall, a lot of the people that I follow, and I try to keep my timeline as sane as possible, <laughs> a lot of people I follow, they loved it. You know, they saw it as an empowering uh, piece of art for black feminism. And then you have other people who are just very in their feelings that it wasn't about them. And then you have other people just, you know, you know, I feel like Beyonce is, somewhat polarizing either you love her or you hate her and there's very little in between <laughs> so uh Rebecca I know you saw it as well what, what did mm-hmm. you think about Lemonade and what are your feelings on everything that has occurred post Lemonade um now I'm gonna be honest that I am not I, I should say I'm using the past tense now I was never the biggest Beyonce fan like I liked her and Destiny's Child, no, 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 um, Independent Women. Like, and then when she went solo, there would be, like, you know, she would come out with an album, there would be, like, two or three singles that I liked. But never in the entirety of Beyonce's career have I ever bought a full entire album from Beyonce mm-hmm. until Lemonade dropped. Because <laughs> I was just sitting there like, her game. Like, she just really put everybody on notice. I'm talking about the Taylor Swift and the Katy Perry and the Adele. And, I mean, the, the only person that I can say right now is probably the, who's probably neck and neck with Beyonce as far as, like, the imagery and the music right now is Rihanna. Because Bitch Better Have My Money is, like, my all-time favorite music <laughs> video from last year. I wish that they had released that in a theater because that was everything. And in a way, if you because what I did is, after watching Lemonade, I probably watched Lemonade maybe like four or five times, I went back to watch <laughs> Bitch Better Have My Money, and there's actually some parallel themes going on here, right? Like, you know, she's basically, the, I, I, and I remember that there was a lot of beef on Bitch Better Have My Money, 
came out last year because a lot of white feminists were really upset because Beyonce, I should say Rihanna, in the video kind of abused the white woman. <laughs> and they were just like, that's not real feminism. And I'm like, okay, but, I mean, you guys have rejected our bodies for, like, and owned our bodies for, like, four centuries. So I think we deserve a turn. Mm-hmm. is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so with Lemonade, I think with Beyonce, it was just so – it felt like black girl therapy. Like, you know, my sisters and I, we watch black rock. That is like our yearly tradition. Um, and that is for us, that is like two hours where it is all about us. <laughs> Out of the 364 days where it's always about white women and exalting white female beauty, this is our space. That's like our safe space. And I feel like Lemonade accomplished that same thing, where it really was, Black girl magic. It was black girl magic. Black girls lives matter. It was just hashtag 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 hashtag, <laughs> but, but not in a corny way. Like it was just there was just so much. And I think you know I had a, a, a talk with my friend, and I was like, um, part of the reason because he's a huge Beyonce fan. I'm I wasn't, and I was like, I think Beyonce needs to live some life. I was like, when Beyonce lives some life, that's when she'll have something to say. You know what I mean? And, and, I mean, you can see that there's been a progression in her, in her music, but I think with this one, you know, everyone's figuring out, uh, was the adultery real? Is it imagined? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> really, I think something did happen between her and Jay, right? And, you know, because to this day we still don't have an explanation as to why Solange beat his ass in that elevator, so I'm just connecting the dots here, and, you know, because I'm, I'm the eldest of my four other sisters, and I always imagine to myself, what would be the two, what would motivate me to want to beat my brother-in-law's ass like that, and it could only be one of two things, either he cheated on her, or he put his hands on her, you know what I mean, so, um, but yeah, I mean, Lemonade was just, it's so beautiful, it's so cinematic, and it, it, it was just very... Just, the images just, I just couldn't sleep that night. I, I don't think I've seen anything like that in a very long time. Um, but what was interesting to me was the conversations that happened after Lemonade, um, where <laughs> you had like these clueless, clueless mainstream writers trying to take a crack at it, and they were just failing so badly. Like it was comical. Like I couldn't even be offended, right? Because then the, com- the conversation turned to who's Becky with the good hair? Right? Okay. <laughs> Whatever. And then and then you have like Glamour UK. They saw it and they did an article talking about, well, we have two Beckys in, in our Glamour staff and they're defending their good hair. And I was like, oh my God, you guys. That's hilarious. I didn't know that Yo, happened. Just failing and flaming, Candace. It was ridiculous. And then you have the ones where it was like, well, why can't Lemonade be a white girl? Why only gotta be a black girl? Like, it was just so ridiculous, and I was just like, "Listen, I am not I mean, saying that." As a, yeah, I'm not saying that as a as a non-black woman, you can't enjoy lemonade because I think a lot of the things are universal. Every woman knows what it's like to be cheated on. Every woman knows what it's like to decide should I take the cheating bastard back or not. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that that I think a lot of women can do. But that being said, in my opinion, I really feel that lemonade was Beyonce specific love letter to black women because there are only black women in lemonade. That's <laughs> <Okay? laughs> all I'm saying. Like when Taylor Swift did her video, what was that one? Uh, uh, 
bad blood, whatever, whatever it yeah. is. And she has a, she has a little girl squad, you know what I mean, looking like the United Nations. Okay, good for you. You know what I mean? That's cool. That's inclusive. But Beyonce did not do that. You know, she did not call Taylor Swift to the set of Lemonade, and there's a reason why. You know what I mean? Like, Beyonce is, is friends with white women, but we didn't see Taylor Swift. We didn't see, you know, um, Gwyneth Paltrow or any of her white female friends. And there was a specific reason for that. You know what I mean? Because I think Beyonce is like, I am talking to you women. I am talking to y'all. And I'm not sure why people are surprised because formation pretty much told us that, right? Right. <laughs> All her bases were black. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not understanding why people are having a problem with Beyonce right now because I think she's made her agenda very clear. I don't think she's discouraging you from buying her album, but I think she's just like, you know, I, I think for Beyonce, I think she's been very silent because she's not like an overtly political person, but I think she has really been sitting back and she's been watching a lot of what's been happening as far as, you know, Black Lives Matter and um, police brutality and what happened with Sandra Bland. And I feel like as an artist, sometimes you just need to take that in and then just process that in your art. You know what I mean? Like, she's that type of artist. So I think she was just creating Lemonade to kind of say, you know what, I see these things. I may not speak out on them, but I but I see it and I understand it. And, and this is sort of like my healing balm to you guys. You know what I mean? So I didn't have a problem with that. I think it's beautiful. And I think if you are a non-black woman, you should understand that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, wasn't it MIA just, she was just saying some ridiculous stuff about Beyonce? <laughs> what did she say? I don't know any any of this, so like I don't like I'm I'm actually like sitting here like sipping tea right now. I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, oh well, oh, well the, uh, MIA did an interview, and she was like, I guess the interviewer asked her, you know, about the formation performance at the Super Bowl or whatever, and she was like, oh well, Beyonce's not doing anything new. It's not anything that Lauren Hill has talked hasn't talked about already, or Kendrick Lamar. Well, like she was just basically marginalized. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she went on to say, um, well, why doesn't Beyonce talk about Muslim lives matter? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't she talking about that? And I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wait a minute. In the first place, if, if we're going to go with Muslim lives matter, last I checked, black people are Muslim. Okay? So mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. she was just talking some ridiculousness. And, and that just opens up a conversation. I mean, that's what we got for another time. But that kind of ties into the not your mule hashtag, right, where it's like when black people talk about black oppression or, you know, racism, then all of a sudden you have the, I call them the new two coalition, right? They don't put any work into anything. They don't put themselves out there. They don't risk anything. But then the minute black people start talking about their rights, then they're like, well, how come you don't talk about us? How come you don't, you don't put, and I'm just like, eh, eh, eh. We're not your real. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll be happy to amplify any message that you have, but you know what I mean? Like, you got to do the work. Like, okay, I think MIA is a great, you know, she's a cool artist, and the images that she puts out, I mean, she does, um, you know, she's very protective of, of her ethnicity or whatever. Nobody's saying that she can't stand on the platform and say Muslims Lives Matter. If she did that, I'd be there to support her, but she did it. You know what I mean? Like, you were in front of a you were in front of a, a reporter with your time, with your shine, and you used that time to talk about Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why could you not have used that interview to actually talk about Black Lives Matter? Mm-hmm. So, you know. I but think, that kind of time, I think, yeah. 
No, I was going to say, I think that people want to, when it comes to Beyonce, and you guys know I'm not a fan of hers regardless of, any, of anything, <laughs> but I'll say that people like to claim particular pop stars, particularly people of color. Even mm-hmm. we, we saw it with Michael Jackson. We saw it with Beyonce. We saw it. We saw we see it, or we saw it with Prince. People like to, and I hate to, I hate that I just put the three of them in the same sentence, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, funny. so, so um, I, I just make the parallel to say that people love to, white people love to claim black people until they, for they somehow finally realize that they're black and they're like, oh, they're like offended now yes. by their blackness. Yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that, that is always very fascinating to see. I'm just like, well, this is not, you guys know that, that she was always black or that he was always black. Like, I don't understand why today you're like, how dare you be black? I, I have groomed you. And now you turn your back on us? How dare you? It's like a portrayal that is so fascinating to watch, you know. It's it's so funny to me. It's crazy because, you know, any other artist can make their their album, their videos, you know, have your all white people or your all whatever, all this, all that. And it's cool, you know. It is what it is. You know, you make your art for whoever you want to make it for. You know, Leonard Skinner didn't make Sweet Home Alabama for me. I know that. But I can still appreciate it, you know? I can, I'm not right. I can appreciate mm-hmm. it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's not for me. I can still rock out to Sweet Home Alabama on my iTunes. Mm-hmm. But Beyonce can't have her, you know, ode to the black woman, her love letter to her people, honoring her ancestors, her family, the people in her life. And it's a problem. Like, I don't understand how celebrating herself and who she is is an automatic negation of who you are or what you are. And she didn't say you couldn't Mm -hmm. buy it. She didn't say you couldn't appreciate it. She didn't say you couldn't twerk to it. Whatever you want to do with this, that's fine. (laughs) But it's for the people that I'm making it for, and that's okay. They deserve it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why it's such a big deal for some people to wrap their heads around this was not made with me specifically in mind. My whole world is over. Like, calm down. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's A-okay. People, as, as I've said before, white people, a lot of white people do not like to be excluded. What was my hashtag? Now I can't remember it. But you <laughs> yeah. remember that that, that sentiment exactly. applies here. Exactly. <laughs> so people, they do not like to be excluded because then it's just like oh well everything is supposed to be for me everything's supposed to be for me and we're the niche audience we're like the de- they're the default audience and we're just like the specialty market <laughs> right so they you know everything should always be the default for the default audience and if it so happens to be the default audience and the specialty market that's fine but it can't strictly be the specialty market because that's offensive exactly it's just it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, um, and I also thought it was funny that while, you know, everyone on the Internet was, well, not everyone, a lot of the people, a lot of black women that were celebrating Lemonade at the exact same time, you have other people posting, you know, taking the responsibility for being Becky with the good hair or, you know, Kim <laughs> Kardashian just posting all these random body parts on Instagram at the same time. It's like, Seriously, you look so thirsty right now, and it's actually (laughs) 
laughable. Like, it's hilarious. But then when the beehive, because the beehive is crazy, and I love Beyonce. Yes, but I, Lord. You know, someone tweeted that, you know, there's beehives and there's beehive adjacent. I think I'm beehive adjacent. <laughs> but when the beehive would get all these people, then they talk about they're being bullied. But you put yourself in this. Like, it's, it's hilarious to me. The whole thing is funny. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to bring up something real quick that I did see, and I'm think piece to death. I think I read, like, two or three think pieces on Lemonade, and, and I'm glad for it. I'm glad that there's so much discussion, but I was like, my brain can only hold so much. So I read two or three. I picked my top three, and I let it go. Because <laughs> I was like, I need to go back to listening to Lemonade so I can make my own opinion. Um, but there's lots. There's there's a lot of think pieces out there, and then what's great is seeing is getting to see a lot of black women writing the same pieces on Lemonade, which is great. Um, and there was one written by uh, Ashley Shackleford, and she, it was, uh, the title was Bittersweet Like Me, When the Lemonade Ain't Made for Fat Black Women and Femmes. <clears throat> so her critique of Lemonade was that for all the representation that was in Lemonade, um, she felt like, uh, Beyonce could have um, included, could have been more inclusive in putting plus size or, you know, what is considered plus size or, uh, you know, fat black women in the video. She was like, you know, you could have given Gabby Sidibay a call or Jill Scott or whoever. Um, and so that kind of turned into a whole kind of debate because then the beehive, like you said, I don't know if it was beehive or beehive or Jason, I'm not sure, but they were kind of like, ah, oh, you could be you know, lemonade or whatever, and then, and I'm going to say this, I think it's, I think it is a valid critique, I, I do think it's a valid critique, um, you know, because she made it very clear that she did like it, she she did like the video, um, I don't know, I mean, I'm torn, I, I, I agree with the fact that they, they, they could have included more plus size and more fat women in there, um, but again, too, I, it's a lot to put on one artist to make one artist can't be one thing um, to, to everybody. One person cannot be all things to all people. You know what I mean? So I get it. I agree with it, but I don't. I don't think it lessens lemonade. I don't. I don't think right. lemonade's uh, message is, is lessened by that. Because listen, um, on a day when I'm not working out or whatever, I'm like I vacillate between a size 12, 14, or whatever, and then you know. So yeah, I mean, I, I think. For for some women, I guess they feel like okay, I'm looking at this video and I'm just seeing women who are like size sixes and size eights and size fours and whatever. So yeah, I mean, I I don't think that it should be. Um, I, I don't think that the person should be mocked because unfortunately, I saw a lot of really ugly tweets and a lot of um, pushback against the um, against the um, the essay, but I think it's something worth discussing, right? Because, you know, Ebony came out with that um, great cover a couple of months ago. What was it? It was called mm-hmm. The Body Degrade, right? It was like Jasmine mm-hmm. Sullivan, and it was beautiful. Danielle Brooks. Um, yeah, Danielle Brooks. It was gorgeous. And then mm-hmm. just this week, um, Christian Siriano, who's one of my favorite designers, he now has a plus-size mm-hmm. line at Lane Bryant and Danielle Brooks is the spokesperson. So mm-hmm. there's some progress, but we still have a ways to go. Is yeah. what I'm so, and yeah. I think, you know, just to kind of piggyback what you what you mentioned briefly, it, and I've said this so many times in the show, it, you cannot expect any one celebrity to cover all the political wreckedness that you are passionate about, 
or right. that everyone is passionate about. That is impossible. And secondly, if you are passionate about that, that needs to be your platform. You can't expect everyone, you know, who is in a particular position to support all of your political correctness and all of your platforms. You, you, you need to be comfortable with the fact that you support it and that's your platform. You can't expect to constantly see this from every one of your celebrity fans or your, celebrity, your favorite celebrities at all times. That is impossible. That's an unrealistic goal. And they are marketing internationally. That's a lot of people to cover. That's a lot of platforms to, to, to cover. <laughs> right. So that, it, it's just, that's just always been a thing for me. I'm just like, how, 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 how can you possibly expect that all in one person? Right. Yeah, and I know I'd have to go back and watch it again outside of the four times that I've seen it already. Um, but I know oh, one dear. of the things that I did appreciate is that she, you know, in some of the footage, you know, she has these just, I mean, she has the celebrity people in it that we know and all these other cameos. But then there's this, these, this footage of just random people of New Orleans that we see that, you know, aren't glamorous, that are just regular everyday people. So I appreciated that because I thought she was being inclusive. Um, and even in the last song, the you know, that final little love song, we see a gay couple, we see a lesbian couple, we see all these, you know, <clears throat> just different couples, interracial couples, and it's just kind of a celebration there. So I I didn't, I guess, you know, I have to go back and look at it again, but I thought that her video was very inclusive of various types of black women, but black women is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Um, but I know we were talking about, uh, you know, Lemonade and kind of using it as a springboard to talk about black feminism and film, because I, I know I personally think that this compilation of videos is seen, should be interpreted as, you know, representative of black feminism. Um, are there any other films that you all like or enjoy? I know, Candace, you're not a Beyonce fan, so I'm going to toss mm. it to you some other films that, in your mind mm. that embody black feminism. Hmm. Um, I actually did not think about this. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Um, a list of films that I thought that were, you know, I think it's it's honestly something that really, really desperately needs to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, we one, I think, particularly, it's because there's a lot of films that are being made by black men, mm-hmm. um, more so than black women, um, and I think that's part part of it, um, and I think even a lot of the films that I've seen even from black women, black women filmmakers are not huge, like, they, they don't make grand strides toward um, black feminism to me, they don't really stand out in that way, and that's kind of been a thorn in my side, I'm just like, well, why, why are we still kind of, and I think that's not just for um, black black women characters, I think that's just women characters altogether, but particularly since we are the quote-unquote niche market and have way less films to really um, kind of talk about in the cinematic vault, per se. So I think, but I do think, one that comes to mind, that I'm thinking about, I'm kind of rambling, but um, Claudine comes to mind, and I had to really think back for that. Obviously, that's from the <laughs> 70s. Right. Um, and I think every single Pam Greer movie from the 70s, I think the 70s, and again, I go back to, you know, I often kind of tend to romanticize um, black films from the past because I do think that there was such a strong um, connection and strong just 
value that we took on our ownership of our own stories that came out more in the 70s than I think what's happening now. Um, I think it's, a, it's, it's very neutral now. But I think in the 70s, we, we had so much power over our stories, and we were, we were the lead voices in our stories. Like there, we were never kind of the backseat of our own story, which seems to be something that's constantly happening now. Even women... Um, characters were in the front. They were. They had so much agency in these stories, rather than today, where there's a lot less of that. Um, so yeah, again, Pam Greer, anything Pam Greer did, and um, Claudine. Um, I would say, uh, uh, gosh, what is her name? Um, Angela Bassett in What's Love Got to Do with It. I thought oh, yeah. that was amazing. That was like the definitive black feminism, black girl <laughs> magic, black power hashtag. All these things that you're hashtagging now, that right. was then. Yes. <laughs> that that was like real hardcore, like you know, definitive black girl awesomeness. Yeah. Um, and so we, those um, are some of the stuff. Oh, cool. We have a caller. Let's see who this is. Hello. Hello. Okay. Oh, we had. Hello. Uh-oh. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, what about you, Rebecca? Is there anything, any films that come to mind for you? Um, I think Ava DuVernay is really. I mean, she's two movies in, but I, I will follow was great. Um, that that short movie that she did for Mew Mew, um, The Door. Oh my yeah. God. That was just so beautiful. It was like uh, Gabrielle Union, um, Adipero Duye, um, uh, the star of, uh, I, uh, what is her name? Middle of Nowhere. I'm looking at her face. Oh, right Emma Yassi. Emma Yassi Yeah, it was such a great, anybody, if you have not seen The Door, just go to YouTube and do a search, The Door by Ava DuVernay. That was like, I really, like, after watching The Door, I wish that Ava had done um, when Colored Girl, she should have directed that because that's what it really looked like. Um, mm. I think Ma- on the TV side, I think Mara Brock Akil has done a fantastic job between Girlfriends and Being Mary Jane. Um, Living Single, to me, is a classic, right, that you had mm. four entirely different black women, and it just really showed, like, the, the diversity of black womanhood. Um I'm trying to think who else. Oh, definitely Daughters of the Dust. Definitely um, the Julie. Uh, not uh, what's the movie I'm thinking about? It's the Southern Gothic movie with Journey Smollett. Eve's Bayou. Oh, Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou. Yeah, and you can see a lot of influence in that in Lemonade. Lemonade definitely had like a Southern Gothic vibe to it. So those those are the ones that come to mind for me. Yeah, I would definitely say Eve's Bayou is one for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that movie so much. Like, it never, ever gets old. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a great never, one. Ever. They don't make it, it like that anymore. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, uh, I love Ava's work. I think I Will Follow is another one for me um, that kind of just embodies that whole spirit as well. Um, like you said, Candace, it's kind of like you have to look way back. <laughs> like we have to you have to. Love. <laughs> Uh, I think mm-hmm. now we're seeing more just because, you know, women are just kind of like, you know what, let's just make the film ourselves, just independent mm-hmm. by any means necessary, just go out there and make it. So now we're seeing more. But there was like this, you had the 70s where you had all these films and all this good stuff, and mm-hmm. then it's like absolutely 
kind of nothing for a while. Um, but mm-hmm. one I do like, um, oh gosh, uh, I like it like that. Is that it? Um, no, mm. that's, yeah. Uh, what was the one we did for the live tweet? Not to uh, just another girl on the IRT. Another oh, film yeah. directed by a black woman. Um, mm-hmm. Like that one. That's a good one. Basically anything that Cassie Lemon does, I'm a fan of. We mentioned Eve Bight. Yes. She's amazing. Love her. Mm-hmm. I also would think something new, just because it's directed by a black woman, written by a black woman, mm-hmm. starring a black woman, uh, produced by a black <laughs> woman. Like, mm-hmm. this is the ultimate for us bias black woman film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorites. And, again, I feel like people just don't talk about something new enough. Like, I don't know why. Yeah, that's a good one. really, like, one of my favorite films. And people just don't, they don't talk about it. I don't know why. But anyway. Maybe, well, I mean, did you see, did you guys see, and this is, we still live in America, people are going, like, back crazy over this Old Navy ad with the interracial family. Yes. (laughs) I heard a little bit about this. I I mean, (sighs) that's all you can do is sigh. Yeah, I, it's. The, oh gosh, I can't even get my words together. People on the mm-hmm. internet are just so <laughs> gangsta when they have their, you know, question mark avatars and you can't see their face or all this other stuff. <laughs> it's like yes. the comments are insane because my calendar says 2016. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go with that being how it is. Mm-hmm. People are insane. Like they're insane. Like there is no <laughs> other way to explain it other than you are a crazy person. How this ad with this black woman, a white man, and this child can incite such hatred in you, it's sad. It's really sad. It, God. I, I didn't read, of course, I didn't read the comments because I, I really think bad people live in the comment section. They do. But I, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine because um, – I've been seeing, I've been just hearing a lot about that lately. And even when we see, when we talk about interracial um, romantic portrayals, even on the big screen and small screens, that's still a thing. Like people have very strong feelings. And I'm not just talking about white people. I'm talking about black people as well. And also um, the, uh, gosh, I remember I wrote a post about this actually a a long while ago about, um, who is the Maori sister? I always get them confused. The Maori sister who's married to the white guy. Tamara. <clears throat> That's okay. Tamara. Yeah. She got reamed just because she was, she was at, at that point, oh no, she had just gotten married to him and she just, she was just reamed by it. I think she might've showed her like wedding dress or something or her wedding photo and mm-hmm. people just went in and I'm just like, this is silly. You guys are silly. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, you just have nothing else to do than, like, spit your vitriol on people that you don't even know. Yeah. And what's crazy to be actually they, happy. Yeah. And they people fail to realize that Tia and Tamara are the product of an interracial family. Duh. So, well, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because on Instagram she had to – well, she didn't have to respond, but she responded because someone – said that she always posts pictures of her white father but never her black mother and she was like yeah my mom doesn't want her picture on here that's why <laughs> that's one <laughs> two it's none of your business like 
seriously? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you always post your white daddy, but what about your black? Like, are you serious? Oh, mm-hmm. that, goodness. That's what you're going to spend your time doing. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is really, really <laughs> insane. And it's like part of you doesn't even want to respond to it because it's like you're giving it energy. But then part of it's like, but you're I so know. stupid. I have to show the world how stupid you are. So it's <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> exactly. Is I mean I I I'm I kind of fall in the camp of I'm just not even going to I acknowledge you because I think that's what you want, and you are obviously insane. People like that love to be engaged. They have so much to say about craziness. They they can go on and on with their little Twitter birds and not even having like an actual like face or identity, but they can have they have lots of opinions about things that don't actually concern them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> I've, I've I've learned to pick my battles because it's like especially too because some of them they are just attention whores and so sometimes you'll like some actually retweeting it because that was something I used to do like I would retweet it like oh look at how stupid this person is but then it's like no I shouldn't even give air to your stupidity mm-hmm. let's just stop it right mm-hmm. here you know what I mean so I just mm-hmm. I, I've i just learned just keep scrolling <laughs> yeah, yeah it's work. true I mean mm. I have been even though I'm not on as much as I used to be but every so often mm. I'll say something negative about Donald Trump because I've seen his face and it, it incites vitriol in me <laughs> and so I might say something and then I get, like, sometimes this flooded, like, response. Of course, I don't engage with any of them, but I'm just like, I can't. Like, I'm not even going to to repeat the, the craziness that has come through my timeline regarding Donald Trump and how he's, like, the messiah and he's going to take us off the promise. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, I can't, I can't even deal. There's just, you know, again, there's crazy people who live online. You, you cannot associate yourself with them. Yeah, it, really it's funny. Can. I try to keep a tight ship on my timeline, but sometimes mm-hmm. craziness comes through, and you just have to no. block. The block, block button is your friend. Strong. It is. It is. Yes. And a necessity in 2016. <laughs> it, is a necessity. it really is. It's, it's a weapon. It it's really a weapon. is a weapon. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's how I zap you, like bug spray. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, unless anyone else has anything else to say about Lemonade or Black Feminism or Donald Trump, I think we are done for the day. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us and listening in. Like we said, our next podcast will be on June 12th, which is Tony um, Day, Tony Award Day. And our next Sinwar chat is in two weeks, and the date is, I don't know, in two weeks. We'll tweet it out to you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Y'all have a great week. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.